Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. Today is Reformation Sunday. So we're going to be talking about justification by faith, the epicenter of the Reformation. Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, and while you're turning there, I want to welcome uh, all of these University of Georgia students who are on the way back to Athens, and uh, go dogs. I sounded like Kirby Smart there, didn't I? All right, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Will you pray with me? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would take your word, your authoritative, inerrant, infallible word and plant it deep in our hearts and bring about life change for the glory of God and for our eternal good. So bless us now as we study your word. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When you think about medieval Roman Catholicism in the 1500s, you might not even have a category to think about what it was like. It was very passionate, very robust. But there was a lot of corruption and a lot of mess and a lot that shrouded the gospel. In fact, the gospel was hidden for so many people. There were televangelists of the day, even though they didn't have televisions. They were traveling money grabbers. One was called Johann Tetzel. And if you were there, you would have heard this common phrase, when the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Place your penny on the drum, the pearly gates open and in strolls mum. It ignited the wrath of Martin Luther, a German monk, who was very serious about sin. Repentance. And he felt like these televangelists were cheapening repentance. And so on October 31st, 1517, 
he nails 95 theses to the Wittenberg Castle door in protest. Actually, it was a call for debate. He wanted to debate the corruptions that he was seeing. Have you ever read the 95 Theses? You need to. You need to look it up on the internet and read the 95 Theses. I've got a couple of them for you that I want to read just so that you'll be exposed to what Luther was writing. Number 27, they preach vanity who say that the soul flies out of purgatory as soon as the money thrown into the chest rattles. Number 32, on the way to eternal damnation are they and their teachers who believe that they are sure of their salvation through indulgences. Number 33, beware well of those who say the Pope's pardons are that inestimable gift of God by which man is reconciled to God. Number 50, Christians should be taught if the Pope knew the ways and doings of the preachers of indulgences, he would prefer that St. Peter's Minster or Basilica should be burnt to ashes rather than it should be built upon the skin, flesh, and bones of his lambs. All the money that was being collected was being used to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Number 52, it is a vain and false thing to hope to be saved through indulgences, though the commissary or commissary, nay, the Pope himself, was to pledge his own soul, therefore. Number 86, again, why does not the Pope build St. Peter's Minster with his own money, since his riches are now more ample than those of Crassus rather than the money of poor Christians? See, Luther was bothered with the indulgences, with the abuses, with the corruption. And a lot of people think that it's those 95 theses that were the heart of the Re Reformation or that started the Reformation, and there was definitely a spark of the Reformation. In fact, the indulgences controversy soon came to a head because of those 95 theses. But Luther was trying to be a good Catholic at the time. See, it wasn't until two years later that he was gripped by the gospel of Jesus Christ and his life was transformed and he saw that salvation was by grace through faith in Christ alone. When people talked about reformation, there were lots of people who wanted reformation. They wanted better popes, less corruption, Luther wanted no popes. Luther wanted a radical transformation, a return to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The heart of the Reformation, the epicenter of the Reformation was the doctrine of justification by faith. Michael Reeves, historian, says, Teaching that a sinner merely by trusting Christ could, despite all his or her sins, have utter confidence before God, he had brought down on himself the fury of the church. 
1520, Luther was excommunicated. And in 1521, Luther was called to recant everything that he had ever written at the Diet of Worms. And in those famous words, he says, here I stand. It was based upon the authority of Scripture. He could do nothing otherwise than to stand upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Justification is by faith alone in Christ alone. And Luther says this in his commentary on Galatians from 1538. He says, the nefarious opinion of the papists, you can tell he loved the popes. The nefarious opinion of the papists, which attributes the merit of grace and the remission of sins to works, must here be emphatically rejected. The papists say that a good work performed before grace has been obtained is able to secure grace for a person because it is no more than right that God should reward a good deed. When grace has already been obtained, any good work deserves everlasting life as a due payment and reward for merit. With Paul, he says, we absolutely deny the possibility of self-merit. God never yet gave to any person grace and everlasting life as a reward for merit. The opinions of the papists are the intellectual pipe dreams of idle pates that serve no other purpose but to draw men away from the true worship of God. The papacy is founded upon hallucinations. When we talk about the doctrine of justification by faith, we're talking about the issue of being made right with God, of being declared righteous before God. In this passage that we just read from Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul uses the verb to justify or to count righteous, to declare righteous three times in verse 16, one time in verse 17, and then he uses the noun justification or righteousness once in verse 21 where he says, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness or justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So if justification or a right standing before God, if we could be declared righteous by our own self-merit, there would have been no need for the cross. Worthless. So really the heart of the Reformation is all about the heart of the gospel. See, the gospel was at stake. It wasn't just about cleaning up the church. It was about recovering the gospel. We're going to look at three things today. Number one, the meaning of justification. What is it? Number two, the basis of justification. On what basis is it counted? 
And number three, the means of justification. How is it received? Let's look at number one. The meaning of justification. What is it? What's a definition? I love the definitions of old, and you have heard me use this definition over and over because it's clear and concise and helpful. But it's from a Baptist catechism based on the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689, which is almost identical to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it says this, here's the definition to the question or answer to the question, what is justification? Justification is the act of God's free grace whereby he forgives all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Let me break that down. Justification is the act of God's free grace. Let's start there. It's a work of God. It's the action of God. God is the one who declares. I cannot declare myself anything. I'm guilty. It's the act of God's free grace. It's completely undeserved. It's not based on anything good that I've done. It's God's gracious action whereby he forgives all our sins. So justification has to do with forgiveness, complete forgiveness for all of my sins and acceptance, complete acceptance. He accepts us as righteous in his sight. So those two things together, forgiveness and acceptance, and not one without the other. They go together. We're accepted as righteous in His sight. We learn from the whole Bible that there is no one righteous, not even one. That even my own self-righteousness is as filthy rags. You see, we need a righteousness from without. An alien righteousness, as Martin Luther would talk about from outside of ourselves. And this righteousness comes from God. In fact, the gospel of God is about the righteousness of God revealed in Jesus Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection. And notice what this definition says. He forgives all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Watch this. Only for the righteousness of Christ that's imputed to us or counted to us. This is banker terminology. It's legal terminology and banker terminology that's imputed to us or counted to us, credited to us. In other words, I don't have righteousness on my own. I have the righteousness of another by faith in Jesus Christ. I have the very righteousness of Christ counted to me as I trust in him. And so I'm accepted, not based upon my own merit, but based upon the merit of another, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is perfect in righteousness. He obeyed the law at every single point. 
He was completely without sin. He obeyed the Father perfectly, even to the point of death, death on a cross. And he was raised from the dead, vindicating that his work was finished and accepted and that all who would trust in him would be accepted by God. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. We can't receive it any other way. We can't earn it. We must receive it. It's a gift, a gift of grace. So there's a meaning. R.C. Sproul gives us a meaning in some other words. He says justification is God's act of pardoning sinners and accepting them as righteous for Christ's sake. Very, very similar. In it, he says, God puts permanently right their previously estranged relationship with himself. This justifying sentence is God's bestowal of a status of acceptance for Jesus' sake. To be justified is to be eternally secure. Let me ask you today, are you justified? Have you been declared righteous by God, by His grace, based upon the merits of Jesus Christ alone? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your Salvation to be justified, Sproul says, is to be eternally secure. The only way to be justified before God is through faith in Jesus Christ. The only way to be made right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way of salvation. You can't make yourself right with God. You must be made right with God. You see, we've got a problem. It's a problem to the core. It's called sin. And it's our sin that has made a separation between us and our God. And this is the reason why we need justification. We need to be forgiven and we need to be accepted or otherwise we are completely and eternally separated from God because of our sins. John MacArthur says this, no amount of law keeping can make a person righteous because the root of sinfulness is in the fallenness of man's heart, not in actions. Man's basic problem is in what he is, not in what he does in what he is, not in what he does. I sin because I'm a sinner. Not I'm a sinner because I sin. MacArthur says the heart of man's spiritual dilemma is that he is incapable of overcoming the total sinfulness that separates him from the holy God. That's what justification means. Paul says in verse 16, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. 
So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So we've looked at the meaning of justification. What is it? Now let's look at the basis of justification. On what basis is it counted? When we say justification is by faith alone in Christ alone, are we saying that justification is based upon faith? Because if we were saying that, then faith would be a work, a something that could merit us before God. And that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man can boast. So justification cannot be on the basis of faith. That's not the basis. What is the basis? The basis is the righteousness of Christ. It's the person and work of Jesus Christ, crucified, raised from the dead, perfect righteousness. And did you see that in the definition? Justification is an act of God's free grace where he, whereby he forgives all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, counted to us, and received by faith alone. So the basis of justification is the very righteousness of Christ, that alien righteousness that we need that's outside of ourselves. We need to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ in order to be accepted by God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, you know this verse. You can quote it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So in this good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. Paul explains that a little bit more in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and following. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith 
in Jesus. See, the gospel is the gospel of God. It's the righteousness of God revealed. It's God's action of putting forth his righteous, spotless son to die in our place as a substitute for sinners, to earn the very righteousness that we need through keeping the law actively, passively, in every way, so that we could, through his work, trust in him and be counted righteous in his sight. And God is declared just in his actions. He punished sin completely. He didn't wince at our sin. He punished our sin by punishing Jesus in our place. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, we looked at this passage in our deacon and elder ordination service on Wednesday. And Paul says, And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, that's what we need is the righteousness from God. We can't stand in our own righteousness. We need a righteousness from God that comes through Jesus Christ. That's the basis of our justification. Mark Dever says this. I thought it was helpful. He says, the gospel is news. The gospel is not fundamentally an ethic. Here's what you need to do. It is fundamentally a report. Here's what God has done. It's good news. The righteousness of God has been revealed in Jesus Christ. This is good news for sinners. This is good news so that sinners could be forgiven and accepted based upon the righteousness of Christ. Right standing with God comes only as a gift of God's grace. It's based solely on the righteousness of Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. And it's received by faith alone. That leads us to number three, the means of justification. The means. How is it received? By faith. It's a gift received by faith. And faith is trusting. Trusting in what Jesus has done on our behalf. Trusting that it is enough. Trusting that it is enough to make me right with God. And that's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. Look at this carefully. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus. This is verse 16. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. Did you notice the in order? For the purpose of, we have believed in Christ for the purpose of being made right with God. See, so many, so many people have been taught to believe in Jesus. Ask him into your heart. 
believe in Jesus. And, and really, they get confused that what believing means is believe that Jesus lived. Well, yes, you must believe that Jesus lived. And believing that Jesus died, well, yes, you must believe that Jesus died. And he was buried for three days, and he rose again on the third day. And he ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. He poured out his Holy Spirit. If you look at the Apostles' Creed, these are all the things, the, the core of the gospel. What all Christians believe. But you're not just believing that the facts are true. You're not just believing that Jesus died and that Jesus rose again. What a great historical fact. And it is a historical fact. But you're believing these historical facts in order to be justified by God. You see, you know by the grace of God, that you are a sinner separated from God, that you are estranged, that you need a righteousness that you don't have. And so you're believing on Jesus and, and trusting in His merits to be counted for you so that you could be forgiven and accepted by God. And there's a big difference in believing the facts of the gospel in order to be justified, in order to be made right with God, than just believing the facts of the gospel. The demons believe the facts of the gospel and they shudder. But Christians... Believe the facts of the gospel in order to be made right with God. And that's the good news of the gospel, is that sinners can be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, based upon the righteousness of Christ. Timothy George says this, properly speaking, faith itself does not justify. It is, so to speak, the receptive organ of justification. I love that, the receptive organ of justification. It does not cause grace to be, but merely overcomes, or but merely becomes conscious of something already in existence. To have faith is to accept the acceptance that is ours in Jesus Christ. But this is not a self-generated human activity. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The means of being justified is faith, and that itself is a gift of God. Salvation is completely of grace. R.C. Sproul said, faith does not merit God's acceptance. It accepts Christ's merit before God. So the question is, are you justified? Are you right with God? Have your sins been forgiven? And are you accepted 
by a holy God? That's the question. And that's what the Reformation was all about. See, that's the heart of the gospel. It's because people were perishing without Christ and the gospel was being hidden from them. And Luther wanted the gospel recovered. So he translated the Bible into the language of the people so the people could hear the word of God and read it for themselves because because in the Bible, the gospel is revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed. How to be saved is revealed. And that's all people needed to know. There's one way of salvation. It's not good works. It's not a declaration by the Pope. It's a declaration by God. This sinner is declared righteous in my sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ that is credited to him or her and received by faith alone. We're children of the Reformation. We're Protestants. And that word comes from protest. There was a protest against the corruption of the gospel. And we declare the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all sinners can hear and be reconciled to God. If you're not yet reconciled to God, would you be saved today? But by the grace of God, may it be that you recognize that you are a sinner today in need of a Savior and your only hope of standing before a holy God and not being swept away by His righteous wrath is to be wrapped and clothed in the perfect righteousness of another, and His name is Jesus Christ. If today you want Jesus as your Savior, we invite you to put your trust in Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity clarity of your word. We thank you for the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been revealed. We pray that everyone within the hearing of my voice would be forgiven and accepted before God. So, Lord, if there is anyone here today who's a stranger to grace, who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, would you please, by your power through the gospel, open their eyes that they may see the beauty of Jesus Christ, crucified and raised again from the dead on behalf of sinners. May they recognize their own sin and their need for a Savior, and that by grace they would put their trust in Christ alone, in His merit for salvation. Would you do the work that only you can do, and that is our privilege to declare for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.